What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person with Kate Hanley, your host. That's me. I'm also the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which has 401 ways to make a difference in yourself and the world and makes a great companion to this podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about getting through tough times. Nobody gets through this life without facing some of them. And I just feel like I've been having a lot of conversations with folks who are experiencing them right now. And so I wanted to pull together some episodes to help us all get through. Today, I'm talking with Andrea Nakayama. She's the founder of the Functional Nutrition Alliance. For the last 20 plus years, Andrea has helped those with chronic and autoimmune illnesses identify the healing protocol that will help them finally feel better and become the expert that they've been looking for. Andrea was motivated to pursue this path because over years ago, when she was pregnant, her husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor and given six months to live. Andrea has an incredible personal story, but she's also worked with people for decades now to help them do something that we don't tend to focus on enough, which is experience post-traumatic growth. Andrea, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you, Kate. I'm really excited to speak with you. So before we dive in, can you explain what post-traumatic growth is for people who maybe aren't used to hearing those words strung together? Sure. Yeah. Post-traumatic growth is a positive psychological or physiological change that can occur after a traumatic event or a life crisis. And it's this idea that we can experience trauma and not only recover from it, but also experience growth and positive changes in various different aspects of our lives. I love that so much because, I mean, I think that we're rightly focused and shining a light on trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder and learning about these things and finding tools and normalizing them. But that's only one side of the story, right? Right. Yeah. So can you tell us about the trauma that you experienced in your own life that ultimately led to your post-traumatic growth? Yeah, Kate, you spoke to it a little bit in the introduction, and thank you for that. Over 20 years ago, my late husband was diagnosed with a severe aggressive brain tumor out of the blue, seemingly, when we were just seven weeks pregnant. Mm. And so, as you mentioned, he was given about six months to live. He lived two and a half years. And so those two and a half years were blessings. Mm -hmm. And they were also laden with a lot of fear and trauma and going through a lot of medical trauma and all the things that we had to experience with all the treatments he went through while also me being pregnant, giving birth, having a new child, and ultimately his passing. So of course, there was a lot of trauma throughout the experience and most specifically with his death. And I don't think I could have 
thought of it as post-traumatic growth, which hopefully we'll speak about when is the time and place for post-traumatic growth. But I wouldn't have thought about anything I was going through as growth at the time I was experiencing it. It was many years later and putting the energy and the efforts that I had learned through our trauma into practice for other people and then eventually other practitioners that allowed me to look back and realize I had experienced post-traumatic growth. Right. Oh, gosh, man, that sounds, gosh, my heart just goes out to you and your family. I think I know a little bit more about your story in that although your husband was ill and so much of your attention, you know, was focused on taking care of him and I'm sure taking care of your child, didn't you also receive a diagnosis shortly thereafter? I did. Yeah, that was uh, several years later. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroiditis. And it took a long time to get that diagnosis, which is not uncommon for those who have an autoimmune condition. So it usually takes three or four years, three or four doctors to receive that diagnosis. But trauma and life stressors can be a real trigger for autoimmunity to occur, as can pregnancy, Mm -hmm. by the way, because that is its own Mm -hmm. stressor. But that took some time to manifest in my own body. And that also helped me to see the ways in which our medical system doesn't always serve those with chronic illnesses. And I just have to say, I'm not here to belittle or berate our current medical system. We need it. And it does incredible things at a fast Mm -hmm. pace, you know, that's evolving really quickly. And yet for those who have chronic health conditions, it leaves a lot of us behind in how we are served and how we are literally treated. And that became, again, more of my mission to help those understand the experience they're in and move through the trauma. Right. Yeah. Yet another source of stress. (laughs) Yes. You did say something in your first answer, though. You were saying that there's kind of a time and a place to think about what you're going through as an opportunity for growth. I don't want to bright side anybody like, oh, goody for you. You're going through trauma. Now you can grow. (laughs) Do you have any kind of any guidelines on how to know maybe when you're ready to start thinking this way? Like when do you shift out of just dealing into maybe more like recognizing opportunities for learning? Yeah, I think that's really important because we don't want to gaslight our own experiences and we Mm -hmm. don't want to go into toxic positivity or have somebody say, this is a great time to keep a gratitude journal while you're in an (laughs) acute traumatic situation. So I think Mm -hmm. the difference here is acute versus chronic. When Mm -hmm. we're in an acute situation, which could go on for a long time. By acute, we mean it's short-lived, but that short-lived experience, like with an illness, can be going on for some time. And while you're in that, you just need to be in it. So I think we just need to sit in the reality that we're in, whether that's grief, whether that's trauma. What do we need to get through this in the best way possible? accept what is while we're working to take care of ourselves. And then 
are there ways that we can start to see that we look back a little bit, that we can take the meaning from our experiences? I think it might be helpful, Kate, to look at some examples of post-traumatic growth other than my own, some people in history that we can think of. Viktor Frankl is often known as somebody who experienced post-traumatic growth. He was a Holocaust survivor and an Austrian psychiatrist, and he developed a therapy while in concentration camps called logotherapy, which is focused on finding meaning and purpose in life. So even though he was experiencing immense suffering and trauma in the concentration camp, he was constantly looking for what is it we do to survive through this? And that was to find meaning. And he worked with people in the concentration camp and ultimately wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he's a great example of post-traumatic growth. We can look at Feldenkrais, and he founded the Feldenkrais Method. Mm -hmm. He was a physicist and a martial artist. He suffered a knee injury in his youth, which led to chronic pain and really limited mobility. And he ultimately developed the Feldenkrais Method as a way to move with and through pain, minor movements that were smaller, but still allow us some of the benefits of movement and exercise You could probably speak better to that than I can. We can look at people like Oprah Winfrey, you know, a lot of trauma in her life. There's so many examples we can look at where we say that person lived a life that we see as untenable and yet look what they did with it, but they didn't do it in the moment that they were surviving. They Mm -hmm. did it afterwards where they could see more clearly that maybe the meaning of their life and their trauma had something to do with how they actually serve others. Oh, I really love those examples. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah, it's always helpful, I think, to kind of step back and look at other people's stories. Yeah, it's true. And it kind of helps you. If you can look at other people's stories, it can also remind you that you also have a story that is capable of being that you will one day be able to look back on, right? And see the the themes in. I have more questions for you, but I have to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere, everybody. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. I'm talking to Andrea Nakayama about post-traumatic growth. So Andrea, for people who are going through tough times, what advice do you have to help them take care of themselves now? while they're surviving and help them keep just uh, the possibility that this is an acute phase, right? That there is going to be a phase that comes after, or there's always the possibility of a phase that comes after. Yes. Yeah. I think while we're in it, we definitely need support. We need a cradle and that cradle is going to come from ourselves and the ways we take care of ourselves. And I always like to put take in all capitals because it's yours to take. And Mm -hmm. there's times we might need to remind ourselves, really take care in this moment. But it's also going to come from a number of external factors and people. And we need to determine where can I lean in at this time? 
It may come in different forms, whether it's something we do for ourselves or it's something we where we go to or engage in other kinds of people or practices, podcasts, all of these things, making sure that we're feeding ourselves in the little ways. One question I like to remind people to ask themselves is where do you find joy and to make sure we get those little moments of joy in our lives to help support that cradle. Also, so support and taking care. And again, I could talk about that for days, (laughs) what that means, especially Mm -hmm. through my physiological lens, but also this idea of meaning, like we talked about with Victor. Frankel, what is the meaning of my life, even if we can't figure out the meaning of the insult at that moment in time? What is the meaning that, what gives me meaning in my life? It might be being a friend or being a mentor or being a parent or being a partner. What gives me meaning and can I feed that in little ways? And those things help to fuel the resilience that will help us to navigate the stressors that we're experiencing. What do you think some of the common misperceptions about living through a tough time are? Well, as you said, I think we're understanding trauma a lot better these days. And Mm -hmm. as somebody who works in the body, you know, I'm not a psychological expert. I'm a physiological expert. We have a much greater understanding of the ways in which trauma throughout different stages of life has an impact on the nervous system, the endocrine system, our pain receptors. So there's a much deeper understanding that's coming to light about the impacts of trauma, which I think is really interesting for us as patients to know that these experiences that I've had that I may be having actually run deep in my body. My mantra is everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. And these experiences actually have implications on our body and our full body systems. But one of the things I think that we miss is that there are the events that occur outside and then there is our reception of those events. So The French-American writer Anais Nin has a quote that says, we don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. And that's something I like to remind people through a lens of what I call functional empathy, when we can appreciate that the events that are occurring are external, and we also have our own unique response to those events, situations, circumstances, genes, whatever they are, and that there's a kind of infinity loop there, I feel like we can actually bring more empathy or self-empathy, self-care, self-awareness to the impacts that we're experiencing instead of just being at the urge of all that's happening. Right. I love that. And then that really will help pave the way for the opening into that growth when the time comes too. Correct. So you do deal with people's physiologies a lot. Is there something that people can do on the physical level to support themselves through a tough time or or what are some of the things? Yeah. I mean, I, I think again, like 
like I said, my mantra is everything's connected. We are all unique. All things matter. So sleep and relaxation matter. Exercise and movement matter. Nutrition and hydration matter. Rest and resilience matter. Relationships and networks matter. And so we can't do all the things. When we're in an acute, stressful time, it's not our time to make these big resolutions for ourselves or have these big goals, but we can think about those different categories and see if there are little things that make sense to each of us that really do help us to create that resilience factor, that cradle for ourselves. So for me, Kate, that's going to be really tending to my sleep. And really making that a priority because I know what happens in my body and my brain when I don't prioritize my sleep. For somebody else, it could just be, you know what? I'm going to, I'm getting dehydrated. That's making my heart race. I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to make sure I hydrate. So just picking small things that we can do that actually support our entire physiological system. When we have more physiological support, we're able to really navigate that resilience and that journey through the trauma in a much better way. And I I think we separate the two too often without realizing the body and the brain are one. There's no disconnect there. Right. And what message do you have for anyone who's listening to this podcast and is going through a tough time themselves? Again, I think really take the small steps, sit in the situation that you're in. Don't expect yourself to transition or think about what's the growth from this. I do think that there is a place in this process when you're in an acute situation to think about gratitude and what can you be gratitude, even if you wake up and say, today's going to be a better day. And you think about one thing that you can be grateful for. Again, when we think about everything being connected, gratitude, as we now know, has an impact on the physiological functions. And that's one way we could feed that cradle. Beautiful. And for people who are loving what you're saying and would love to connect with you more outside of this podcast, where can they find you? You can head over to andrianakayama.com and that will lead you to my practitioner training, the work I'm doing with patients, any new writing and my podcast. So it's andrianakayama.com. And thank you for asking. Oh, of course. Oh, tell us the name of your podcast. It's called the 15 Minute Matrix. I can get behind that. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) I know you can. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to listen. And I will include links to your podcast and your website in the episode notes that are right in your podcast app. And Andrea, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really happy to be connected to you. And thanks for sharing so much of your story and your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Kate. How to Be a Better Person's theme song, Left for Deadish, is by Junior85. The episodes are mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. 
Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley. Don't forget the W. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 